Bugs. Hello. Tommy! Alex. Hi, how are you? Hey, Tom, happy Easter. Where do I talk? Good to talk to you. Happy can you Easter. see me? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Uh, I can hear you fine. Okay, good. How, how you doing, Tommy? Happy Easter. Thanks, you too. Uh, how, uh, how are you? I'm doing good. You know, it's obviously a different time that we're living in, but we have been living vicariously through you somewhere in Mexico. For a change, I guess, because I get to watch you guys all the time and I'll be at home working in the garden, I guess. Well, uh, I think that the genius that you are might have made a strategic decision, maybe seeing things far out. Being somewhere in Mexico, did you get some good waves before they locked it down? I know that all the beaches are closed, but uh, we've he's seen a couple sneak peeks at what's been going on. Oh, good. Well, as you know, I mean, Mexico's a very big place, and, uh, you know, I came down here a couple months ago and basically been here for a couple months. Uh, I went back home for a week, and uh, mainly I just came down here to work on boards. And, uh, you know, as things progressed, you know, the what-ifs uh, started to be less kind of, uh, uh, so, you know, unlikely, then now we're here and now today, you know, all the beaches are closed. Well, Tom, I don't know if you can see behind me, but it's, it's one of your black beauties. Mm, yes. Can you see that? Yes. That's a board that you signed for me on my 18th birthday at an NSSA event. Okay. Wow. Wow. So I had to, I had to throw the vibe out. You know, that's my what? background right now. It's a board from All 15 right. years ago. All right, cool. Do so you ever surf on it? No, I can't. You told me you're like, hey, number one rule is you have to surf on that. And now that I look at it, the I could probably write it now at 18. That would have been like my Waimea gun. Okay, that's good. So. How about this? If you and I get to surf together this summer, I'll bring that board and shred it. Otherwise, no way in heck I'm ever riding it. Oh, that's fine. You know, uh, basically, what year was that anyway? That was, let's see, gosh, 2004. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, have you ever tried the Black Beauty? No. So and basically, it's a, it's a kind of an old school thruster with just a V throughout the board and a, a bit of edge along the, the tucked under rail so that the V as it's holding the board down, the uh, edge of kind of releases it at the same time. So, um, so it's just an old school board, very good. People like it, but it's, uh, it's definitely not for you. Uh, it could be because look, Tom, I, I'm still trying to surf like you. I still watch Searching for Tom Curran. It's my number one movie in the world. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But what I want to know is who came up with the color band? Because surfers all around the world still copy the Black Beauty and Red Beauty color band. Was that you or Al? How did the whole Black Beauty, Red Beauty come about? Yeah, uh, actually, that was a Marie Pascal uh, idea. So that's uh, Leanna Nathan's mom. So she had that idea. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, simple as it is, it's uh, definitely, yeah, I think it makes the board look good. So Tom, you know, I know of you as growing up in Santa Barbara. We don't have to go before that because I'd love to hear what it was like having your dad, Pat, being an influence to you as a surfer and also him being the shaper that he was, and then transitioning into meeting Al Merrick and the two of you creating a, you know, there's been many surfers, but when I think of Channel Islands, I think of you in the beginning, really, and, and how that whole thing started about in your hometown. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah, it's just a great time, and I was very fortunate to grow up around that time. Uh, a lot going on with boards, and uh, um, town being Santa Barbara at the time, full of 
you know, very now to this day, very uh, influential board builders and board designers, my dad included, uh, a long list of, you know, names that are, you know, they talked about a lot of these uh, shapers uh, in the movie called Spoons. Yeah. And it's kind of a new movie. I guess you may have seen it. I've seen it. Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, I mean, as, as far as the uh, shaping scene goes, there was a lot going on. Yet, it was very far removed from, uh, in a lot of ways, the, um, you know, the kind of contest scene down south. And that was kind of not the Santa Barbara thing, I guess. But um, on the other hand, uh, there was quite a lot of, I would say, influenced by the Australian waves and the films that came out, you know, kind of in the mid-70s of all those waves, which were really looks a lot like Santa Barbara waves. So that was kind of an excitement. Um, and then basically, uh, really the one huge event that probably had with Al and everybody, the huge event for us was uh, Sean Thompson came to town and you know, started uh, spending time in Santa Barbara. That was the big change for us because now Sean, you know, he's been, of course, he was at the top of uh, the tour at the time. Uh, and so he, you know, the fresh ideas off the tour were now suddenly in uh, Al Merrick's uh, shaping room. So, and, and so that was like a, a very big boost, I would say. That was probably the biggest turning point if there was uh, something like that and in how things started went very quickly after that. At a young age. Water. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't get parched in this. We want, we want you to stay hydrated. Blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> there, that's better. Hey, thanks for doing this, by the way. I know that going Instagram live isn't really everybody's cup of tea, but there's a lot of people uh, stuck at uh, home, so this is super awesome. Well, I'll do it because I don't mind talking to you, Al. It's really, that's true. So. Well, that's nice. That's that's a huge pat on my back because you are the hero still. And if I embarrass you, I, I apologize in advance right now. I'll get a uh, little uh, bell, you know, one of those little bell, like that uh, uh, you have at the, we're in the lobby, you know, there's a, a lobby and you have a bell. <laughs> so if something goes wrong, I'll hit the bell. You have a bell Hi. Hello, Bugs. Bell, you want to go? Does you use the flashlight? No, 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 it's fine. It's not a bell. It's a flashlight. So, Tom, in talking about style, you still live in a, a league of your own, something that's timeless. And, uh, again, I'm not going to try to embarrass you too much, but watching the old videos of you as, as a kid, it was already apparent, like, God, that that is it. You were on a path. You know, what did style mean to you? And talking to some other guys, you know, they're like, look, it's nothing that's forced. You're born with it. Don't try to surf like someone else. Did you have influences as a kid that, that you got to see? And you're like, oh, man, I love the way that guy does that. Uh, sure, yeah, that's in fact, um, I think, um, well, I'm sure of it that everything that I sort of picked up along the way came from uh, mimicry, you know, trying to surf like, you know, the the guys in the in the movies, you know. Um, even now, I try to do that with the guys. Uh, you know, I get sometimes I get secondhand boards of CI, and it would be from say, you know, some somebody from the team. So I would actually try to surf like them, you know, a little bit. And it helps a little bit, except one time I tried to surf like Kelly and I, uh, I uh, sprained my ankle. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know that Kelly put a hoax on the board that anybody who rode it again, especially a previous world champion, was going to get hurt. Oh, uh, really? Oh, yeah. I He's got voodoo powers. No, what happened was um, it was a, it was a board and it was called the one of those boards. It was like a hundred names of surf. I didn't even keep track of them, but it was called the whip or something. The Maybe, was everyone called the whip? Yeah, there's the whip. Yep. Uh, I don't know if it was that or another one, but and I had the KS fins, the 
KS3 fins and they have that flex in them, right? Yep. And I was going into a cutback at Noosa. <laughs> and right at the end of the cutback, right when you're supposed to kind of rebound off the bump, I just add that little extra Kelly thing with the shoulder out and everything like that. And I just went like that. And the foam ball hit me too soon. And then I was out of the water for like two weeks. We're going to have to run that by Kelly and see if there was voodoo magic that no one else could ride the board. And Kelly was actually uh, down on the boat coast, so I went down to his place and I complained. I said, hey. <laughs> what did he have to say about it? You can have, I told him he can have his board back. <laughs> I couldn't did surf he want it? I was Did he want it back? Did he take it? No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. But yeah, he was there, so I body surfed. Yeah. <laughs> this was a while back. I love this. So speaking of Kelly, Tom, uh, I'm going to jump to France. And, and there was a heat in France that you surfed against Kelly. And Kelly was doing reverses. And it was, it was the time where it was like you and him showing up. And you did not nudge. You won the heat. What was that time period like going through your world championships and then having the next young guy coming at you, but, but you weren't letting him have it. It was so cool to see. And it makes me reflect upon how competitive you are as a surfer as well. Oh, uh, thank you. Um, yeah. So when Kelly came up, you know, he really was, uh, something special, like even back then, like, so I think pretty much everybody in the old guard kind of knew that, it was only a matter of time, you know, with the tricks and everything, you know, things were going to be very, almost, you know, um, very different styles of surfing uh, coming into the tour around then, which was 1990. Um, and so I really put in, you know, put in 150% on that heat, obviously, for that reason. Uh, waves were not that really that good at all, but uh, it was the runners, you know. So I managed to uh, beat him in that uh, heat. I know you talked about you know being a young kid coming from Santa Barbara, a little bit recluse and a different environment growing up. To let's say you going down to OP challenges down in Huntington Pier, what part of you psychologically would flip on or off when you put a jersey on to become a champion and not the free surfer because you have both aspects so dialed there's a great balance in there oh uh, thanks that's a good question uh i think what it is is that i was able to do junior lifeguards i was able to go uh, uh join the swim team in high school and do surfing and as a you know now during that time going more competitive as well as free surfing so i had kind of both also as far as competitive surfing goes, you know, people are anti-contest, but one kind of irony is that one of those places be Rincon, where if you're not somehow competitive, you won't actually get away at all. So there's some thing about contest and competitiveness and surfing as everybody, you, you pretty much have to compete if you're surfing at Trestles or Rincon, you kind of are competing anyways. But did, um, did you enjoy, I mean, everybody loves the feeling of winning where I went wrong is I could never be a loser. And actually CJ Hobgood said it best to me one day. He's like, look, the best surfer in the world is who can lose the best. And I'm like, God, that's such a weird way to think. Cause you don't win all the time to go from phase one to a world champion. How do you get through those mental roadblocks of when it's not at its best? Uh, <clears throat> Well, um, yes, of course, the, uh, you know, I look back and I can see these uh, kind of troughs and peaks and valleys and things in the tour just in general. And you're, you know, if you got a good momentum through a few events, you pick up a bit of, uh, you know, more confidence and somehow that works. And then the opposite is true. If you think it really lost, can be hard to break out of, right? Yes. Uh, so what I did 
was uh, not only did I have really good coaching, you know, the best coaching available. Who was your coach? Well, Al was coaching me. Um, uh, of course, Ian and PT a little bit in the, in the earlier days, and then uh, Kito-san from Japan. Is he from Japan? Uh, no way. Yeah. Yeah, he was coaching me, and also what I had as an advantage um, is, is video, uh, you know, review. That was something that was kind of new at the time as well. So uh, video review is almost better than any coaching because you already know kind of what you're trying to do, and, and you can see, you know, if it's working or not quite well, you know, with no kind of coaching. Uh, you can see what board is working better, you know, all these things that, are, that you're not sure about and, unless somebody else who's a coach tells you. Uh, so we had, uh, I, I just had a really great advantage for, for that. Also, uh, along with that, uh, I tried to, uh, uh, you know, we didn't have internet, so we had to go to the library and, or go to the bookstore, you know, go to the sports section. Go through there, and uh, two people that helped me a lot, and that uh, was uh, Martina Navratilova with her book called uh, "Eat to Win." And uh, you, you might, you might think this is not true, but Arnold Schwarzenegger with the uh, body uh, weight training book. Those two books were very important. So at, at a certain point, oh, that's all right. really here. Other things that were very interesting too at the time were also psychology and you know trying to um, try to manage stress and you know with breathing and you know basically what's going on today. So it was it was uh, it was also that you know visualization was big. You know uh, I don't know um, I suppose. You know, we, we just kind of was trying to get uh, as much information then, uh, as we could, you know, to, to better in the contest. This is, this is so good to hear. Tom, you're like three decades ahead of your time, but you weren't because you were the best in the world. And again, I still think you are, but people are now doing this, you know, they're going to facilities, surfers are going to Olympic training centers. Um, I remember going to the France for the first time, you had come back on the QS and, you know, people were, somebody said, yeah, Tom used to run those sand dunes. Was there a point during then that you were physically working out pretty hard in between too? Indeed I was, yes. And, uh, yes, I can show you if we ever get back to France after all this, you know, I'll show you the sand dune they used to go up and down. <clears throat> and then I won a title, so it was good. It was really, uh, important like, to to do that like I was I mean uh, you know um, it's good to see kids that are doing that now you know they're at that age and whether it's training for the Olympics or or anything I think it's great Olympics only come around four once every four years so that takes some you know vision or, or focus you know to try to put a four-year plan to maybe get up on an Olympic podium, you know, so I feel for all those young athletes that are going now, my, every, everything was just ready and just right, ready to go, and this, this has happened, so it's really hard. So there's natural ability, but then there's people who love what they do so much that they put in the hard work. Would you say that, you know, along with just being naturally talented, I mean, it really sounds like you put in all of the hard work as well, and that's a formula of success. Yeah, so, yeah, that's a good point. My, my way to put it is this, that every time I went out for free surf on the tour back then, I was surfing with Aki, Kong, Potter, Carol, and the list goes on. So these guys, I knew they were all better than me, basically. So I really had to go harder, you know, all, you know, kind of be more serious and everything. It's, it's kind of how it was for me.
it was a really competitive era and, and you know I started surfing in the 90s but I know surfing competitive now it's but it's not like when you guys were there when I hear you and Pot and Aki talk about it, I mean you guys were out for blood the money came from surf results there really wasn't a free surfing aspect there was no social media to have your own platform to win events was how you guys made money and had sponsorships we all know about the rivalry with Aki is there are there other of your competitors that aren't as spoken of that you can come up with now in your life that you look back and go, oh, man, those guys were gnarly, too? Sure, yeah. Um, I guess it was a bit, you know, I suppose I was a little bit of a target because a lot of them were Australian. Um, you know, but just, uh, I just had confidence in my boards. I think that's important. Um, you know, I wasn't the best in all the spots, but I was consistent. And then I just, uh, you know, I had my moments where I just rose to the occasion. I was able to do that. And that's basically, and, you know, um, because really I'm uh, not really, up, I guess I can focus on things, you know, you know, if it comes to trying to, you know, uh, work at something or whatever but it, every everybody sort of has that everybody does but i mean a world title happens in 365 days out of the year and i would say yours happened maybe even years prior you know it it takes a a ring of a ladder to get to the top and when you speak about boards i I'd, I'd love to hear how your relationship with morris cole started was that in France as well? Because I'd love to uh, then transition into the Holly Eva event on the yellow rail board. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Maurice, I uh, first saw him in France in 1980. Uh, and I only really met him sort of years after that. <clears throat> but he moved to France and he was living about sort of 40 minutes away. And then I would see him in the water and then one day um, uh, he made me a board, and so we started from there. And uh, uh, basically, he has a shaping room over there in front of waves that can be sort of like Hawaii sometimes, or you know, uh, it's all good sand banks. Basically, a per perfect uh, testing area for for shaping. So let's fast forward. Uh, we're going over to Hawaii and one of my favorite video sections of you ever to watch is the Holly Eva event on what I believe was a Morse, the yellow rail board. And then you had no logos on your board. Mm -hmm. What, you what, what happened during that event? I mean, you, you won the event, but something was different. Yes, I made a mistake. I didn't put stickers on my board, basically, is what I did. That was my mistake. Okay, maybe. Uh, I, could, I, could have, I could have drawn, if I, you know, even if I don't have stickers, I could draw it on with ink pen. So I didn't do it. And it was a mistake. Um, I made a mistake. Was, was uh, Ripper on? The board looked cool with no stickers on it, though. But it really it did. How, how, how big was that board and, and who else was in the final during that event? Um, um, that board was like seven, eight or something. Wow. So, uh, those boards have, uh, uh, it was two of them. There was that one. And then there was another one that was like eight, eight, two or one or eight something. Uh, characteristic of those boards, uh, they have a reverse V and they're quite narrow and somehow they tend to ride smaller than, you know, a 7.8, so quite loose. Um, it's the, yeah, it's the Maurice Cole reverse V. Do I say basically too much? I think I do. No, so, no, we all, it, you know, it's, it's better, Tom. Everybody says, um. 
basically is a word and um, um is a bit word. of a yeah word. You're, you're doing you're doing great here <laughs> so so that event uh you took the win and when i, don't I know think of, of as a you know a californian going to hawaii you had a very large presence over there and what was it like being a Californian going to Hawaii and what did it mean for you to translate your surfing into waves like that? Yeah, so I started to, uh, well, Hawaii is a, a, it's a great place. I, everybody has their own connection to Hawaii if they surf, I think. They, uh, <laughs> there you go, I was going to say basically. I said <laughs> Everybody's got a connection to Hawaii who surfs, so I'm not any different. My father surfed there. He made boards, surfed Waimea in the early days. Um, did well in the water. And uh, I learned to surf in Hawaii. I bought my first board at Haleiwa. Well, my parents bought it for me. It was $10. <laughs> And I uh, went back and uh, kind of started to develop a, a, a kind of liking that area there off the wall and kind of back door and then sunset kind of my favorite spots there. And Hollywood, of course, is, a, is, is just uh, it's one of my favorite spots too. And, I, you know, it's just for me during that time, like Hawaii made her, it, it, it could make or break you as a surfer. Titles were sealed over in Hawaii. It was the pinnacle. It was our, you know, Wimbledon, our Indy 500. It's where the, the end of the year really culminates and peaks. And I honestly never saw a weakness in your surfing there. Maybe out of the three, Pipeline, but you still performed very well at Pipeline as well in New Jersey. Uh, the seven mile mile miracle really wasn't a hitch in Tom Curran's Gideon. Yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah, I mean, I didn't feel really out of place. I just didn't win events in Hawaii, but I, mean, I don't know. I felt all right. I really like surfing in some of those spots. Um, I think probably the most uh, the weak point would be going backhand at pipeline. Would be for sure my least comfortable. Uh, you know, so that over time I'm getting more comfortable. So it didn't take me like three hours to get into a, you know, two position. It takes me like three or four or maybe five seconds to get low like that. You know, so some waves they allow you that much time. Yeah, and surfing, you know, especially backhand tube riding has changed so much, right? You had you guys doing it on a foot, two feet longer of board, not doing the drop your leg, drag your ass, stall. It was very pure, long, no-handed drops into big bottom turns and then into the bowl. Yeah, so, well, now that you mentioned that, you know, uh, John Gomes yes. was doing exactly that, what you described as the modern backhand serving. He was doing that like day in and day out, and among other, among the other guys, and riding short boards in the pipe. So, we got to see that too. So um, I think probably Dane, you know, some of those guys, but John Gomes had, uh, had it kind of down for sure. All right. So I want to bring you into again, what I still consider the greatest surf movie of all time. Wow. Searching for Tom current. Was was the uh, was the idea of the movie Sonny Miller's, or was that a collection between you, Rip Girl, Sonny? How did the how did the movie come about? Uh, Sonny's movie, yeah, he did that. You guys seem like you had an incredible relationship. You know, it's so sorry that we've lost him, um, and you as a very close friend. But looking at all the search videos, I mean, they really have a very unique tone. Um, visual aspect musically that they're beautiful to watch yeah I think so too I, I, I think they they hold up pretty well except their VHS so the VHS tape literally doesn't hold up that well but the film itself is pretty, 
get my joke? You got it. No. I got it. I got it. All I'm right. on yeah, my yeah, second. Yeah. I'm on my second VHS. So um, was, was that all filmed in one year, Tom? No, I think that was over. It was kind of a compilation of the um, of the other movies. The search videos. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah, I recently watched the search, the search too, and I was like, wait a second, some of these are the outtakes from all the sessions during your video. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it was it was great. You know, um, it was a great time to be on the team. You know, those guys, um, amazing, amazing. You know, circuit. Who who would choose the spots? Because some of the spots like Bawa we had never seen before. You know, your session going into J Bay, they were all just so historical and it, they were I mean it blowing minds of like, oh my god, where are these what is this? Well the key I think the key people in that side of things was probably Martin Daly as one, uh and Derek Hine would be another. And then um, that I can tell, you know, who, who would kind of uh, were um, making things happen, I guess. Can you, can you talk me through the, the Bawa session, please? I still watch that and go, what was going through Tom's mind? It looked like everybody was on seven foot plus boards. And maybe you okay, started well, on one, but then went down to the fish. So I'll tell you what happened. I had this board. I'm not sure if it was a Dave Carmenter uh, big board, and it was fine. And then I had a seven-footer, I think, and I loaned that to Chris Davidson. And that left me with a choice between it, like an eight-foot uh, single fin with two side fins. Or... Uh, this little board that I really liked. This uh, it was like a five-seven Tommy Peterson, and it had a had kind of a channels going into a semicircle and a, and a step down into a kind of a flat tail area. So as three fin, and uh, <clears throat> I surfed that board a couple times in in uh, smaller days in. I really liked it, held in well, kind of pretty good volume. And so I took it out that one day and uh, there was no wind. So I was able to get into the wave and the board held in fine. So that's, uh, that's what happened. Did each wave progress? Did you start off like a little bit baby foot in that board into what was, you know, the final wave of that section is you coming over the foam ball disappearing and you're like, no, and you pull it and it's just like, come on. Yeah, that was kind of how it was. And then actually the, I got a wave after that and I straightened out because it was really kind of a long section. And I wonder if I could have gone through it, you know. But I straightened out. It was even better than that one, probably. It was longer, too. And the board was, was holding in fine, so. Um, but it was, like, getting dark. Sonny was there on the beach, and he was pretty stoked, you know. And, and I straightened out, and I looked at the footage. Uh, would have been a better way of even, so. But, yeah, that spot, um, <clears throat> it uh, changed after the earthquake, so it's not as... Not as uh, good of a wave, but it's still good. So, you know, where where does it come, all the experimentation? I just saw your latest post on Kerfuffle, which I still wonder where that comes from as well. Oh, uh, that's Irish. Is or Kerfuffle? Irish word, yeah. What does it mean? Uh, it just means like a big splash or kind of big, sort of like a, I, I'm not quite sure, but it's like a, um, like a brouhaha. It's another word. I just like the word. It's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. It's so rad. I had no idea who you were on Instagram because I didn't believe what that it, Kerfuffle was you. So it was pretty good. You, you got everybody pretty well with some creative juice there. Say what? With the what? 
I said with, with the kerfuffle name, I just didn't believe it was you. It took me a while to truly believe that was you on there. Well, I'm glad you did. Where did the, uh, did the experimenting with surfboards come early on in your life? Because again, your latest surf post is, you know, one of your boards with foam on it. I guess it's a Kaipo Hakia shape, but it doesn't look like a surfboard at all. <laughs> so over the last few years, um, I've been able to progress with this overall concept of having a board that is thin, but with the added foam sandwich. So the, uh, the board itself is only, it's only thin, right? But the, um, the added foam allows you to paddle around on it. Why do you go thin with the board is the question. A thinner board has more uh, flex. So we're trying, I'm trying to get that and so far seems to be working as an overall idea. So I've uh, been able to work uh, on that idea. I'm pretty happy with it. So. Were, were you bored with surfing? Was there a transition there where you were just done with what was, you know, decades of riding a craft that you wanted to continue the stoke and motivation? Yeah, you know, don't you get, I mean, the thing is that you need a good board to surf through the middle of summer. Like you need something that's going to keep you getting out there. And sometimes that's whatever it is. But if you have a good board for summertime, it will really help. And it's very sure. important to, I think, um, you know, after you know, how many waves I've actually been blessed to surf on. Do I get bored sometimes with regular things? Sure. I like to, you know, I'm, what I'm after mostly is boards that go really fast and that you can still turn. That's like the, the overall uh, goal. Um, and I've been uh, happy with results of uh, being able to test out the boards more and um, you know, the last couple of months, so I'm very happy about that too. In speaking of all of the sessions that you have been able to surf, a single wave comes to my mind and it's back to Hawaii. It's the backdoor glassy, I mean, maybe pushing as big as a backdoor wave will hold. Can you talk me through that session or that day? Because that wave still holds a candle to anything that most of us have seen. Well, yeah, I mean, I got, I got one. <laughs> I got one. Oh, you, yeah, you did. I, I did get one. Actually, yeah, I can tell you what happened. Um, I was there. So what happened was uh, I had this board. It was a, uh, <laughs> kind of like a sunset board. And a pretty good sunset board. It was like a 7-8 or something. And, wow. and I'm out there trying to get it right because I prefer to go right. Um, and uh, Garrett McNamara paddled hard for a wave and missed it because it was kind of, he was like almost to catch it, kind of rolling, going right. And I was right in the right spot. And there was nobody there, so I went. I knew it was a good wave because Garrett wouldn't just paddle for it if it wasn't good. So I f figured it was a good wave. And then uh, just... Uh, You know, think kind of went real square, and then uh, I remember Davy Miller when I came up after that. He said, "Hey," he said, "That was one of those waves that you see like nobody on, like there's nobody on it." And like he said, "Why doesn't? How come the empty ones are the best ones?" And then I came out of it. So, that was did you know? Did, did you know you were gonna make it paddling into that wave? No, no, kind of. I figured it was makeable if, if Garrett was going. So, well, actually, that might not be true. He kind of doesn't mind if it close out too. And my, you know, the whole ride's good, but the end of the wave, the non-claim claim, was the best ever. You have the best claims. I loved it. Thank you. Yeah. Was that uh, your best barrel ever? Yeah, it was, it was probably my best barrel at, at back door. But anyway, I was very thankful to come out of that because it would have been a big beating for sure. 
yeah and that's what trips me out like tom you're really good in ways of consequence big sir like you have a mental psyche of a fear level in there that's pretty incredible like to even go on a wave like that it's pretty gnarly thanks alex well you want to talk no i don't know i've looked at waves like that and pulled back um it's just no, inspirational no, for me to see. no you haven't oh yeah no <laughs> yeah maybe now since you're not surfing you'll be paddling out you'll be like oh i don't think so <laughs> Then I have an advantage over you then, just for about five minutes. All right, all right. So, Tom, I'm going to bring you all the way over to, to South Africa. And that first session at J-Bay, if you will. Did, did you see that swell, and did you want to go over to J-Bay, or was that part of a search, a search trip that Sonny had put together? Right, uh, that was Derek. Uh, Derek Hind, I was in France, and uh, he called and said, as well as coming, get on the plane. He was managing the team, the Rip Curl team, and kind of, it was the, um, a lot of the conceptual thing with everything was Derek's, and uh, part of that had to do with surfing Jeffries, surfing all these boards from different shapers, uh, spending more than just one or two swells there, kind of staying there um, for, I think it was like a month or something, maybe. Oh, wow. And then, um, uh, that was kind of about board. So that first surf I had was on a board by Mark Ravage and just a brand new board. I worked really good so um, Derek organized a bunch of uh, boards for me to try so um, and I also had my Almeric so it was really good it was, it was fun I mean I um, yeah you know they were all really good the, probably the one that stands out is Peter Daniels that one was like really really good but I only got one wave on it so uh, that way that board was was very very good your first wave has been replayed over and over again and still does were you like wow this is a super special wave for me for my style of surfing after that first wave yeah something like it was like waves at home it was like a regular and then the swell came up and it turned into Jeffries. So, um, I, uh, I watched so much of that video, but what I continue watching more and more, what seems to be less and less of surfing is the bottom turn. And your bottom turns at Jeffries are what's accented more than any other part of your technique during those sessions. Oh, well, thanks, Alex. Um, yeah. Uh, if anybody uh, get a chance to go surf Jeffries, then they should. Uh, it does take a little getting used to. It just looks like a perfect way, but there's something about it. It takes a bit of it. Uh, for example, I think I was kind of kind of over gyrating a bit, you know, first couple weeks, and, you know, into turns because I couldn't tell where the where the, there's a bit of a slope to it, and then there's sand and there's rocks, so you can't, somehow it seems that you can't immediately feel that, that kind of sweet spot in the way, but after a while you find it. So uh, I think it's because uh, there's like these, the type of rocks and the sand that fills in between. There's a little bit, uh, you know, um, but, um, overall, I think it's just kind of slow things down when you surf Jeffries. Um, and then keep your eye on the, uh, far down the line to make sure it's not going to race off without it. And then you can, you know, 
don't really have to do much. Um, the other point that is made a lot about Jeffries is it's a bit easier to do vertical re-entries on your backhand, and I suppose that's true. Well, it's awesome. What about the uh, what about the pink wetsuit, Tom? I gotta know about the pink suit. Pink wetsuit. Well, you know, what was it the eighties, nineties? This were pink's coming back too. Uh, so I don't know. I think it was like a. It just turned pink. I think because it was faded. Maybe it was red. Oh, that wasn't a pink wetsuit. No, they did. They had you know the colors were so much better back then. You could have all these colors and uh, you know nowadays it was just wear black wetsuit I don't know you could do stripes you can do all kinds of really neat uh, cool things um, you know wetsuit that is you can put lights on it and surf at night I've seen that yeah uh, um, yeah no, awesome. I, what they would I do I thought that it was a pink wetsuit it was pink. It had some pink on it, but they just sent us wetsuits, and then I'm like, I'm not wearing pink. I'm like, no, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom, you've been doing this for for some time now. You know, you're still surfing as much as anybody. You're down in somewhere in Mexico right now, surfing every day, excited, messing with fins reshaping boards what's the success to keeping motivation because i have friends in their 30s who have stopped surfing um you know due to personal battles in life and you know unexpected circumstances what is surfing to you now and and how do you continue to motivate after all this time being successful and just having the pure love and joy at this point oh yeah so i would say that it comes and goes Sometimes it gets away from me, but then sometimes it comes back. So as long as you can sort of find your way back to some kind of form, you can still surf for a long time. So uh, I don't think it's bad to not surf every day. I think, in fact, you get a lot of injuries if you try to surf and surf. Uh, you get these, you know, kind of old. See, I have one right now, lower back. But see? Over back <laughs> from sitting. Uh, well, that's yeah. fantastic, and uh, it's good to take uh, that. Uh, you know, when you don't get to serve, you can appreciate that. When you do, you can enjoy it that much more. I I hear you. I thought by this point I would. Uh, be married with a family and had given up my selfish surfing, but that hasn't happened yet. And Tom, you have a beautiful family. Your kids are successful. Some are professional surfers, musicians. How does it feel to be able to pass on aspects of your life that you've loved to now have it in a family aspect? Oh, thanks, Alex. I'm very blessed with a family. I'm very proud of all of them. Um, and I think about them. I'm not with them right now. Um, and uh, this whole thing has just brought it to everybody's thoughts. You know, well, you know, this. What if you? What if surfing was taken away? You know, you can't surf anymore. What if things? You know, what if this is the last time you actually surf and things like? You know, you kind of have. A, uh, it's not all about surfing, but it's, it's it's you know, it's getting to do the things that we got to do. And for the kids, it's very stressful, and uh, uh, you know, uh, and it just uh, kind of reminds you that uh, those things that we do that we we may take for granted sometimes, such as surfing, can be taken away from you. You know, it's 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 heavy, and it's it's okay for me. Because I surfed enough, but for the kids, right? It's not yep. fair. It's not cool. It's not fair, and it's uh, you know, uh, it just um, it's very challenging and uh, for a lot of people. Um, 
So, um, but it is good to, to, to serve. Yes, that's definitely. Speaking of, of kids and the youth, um, you know, we are going to get through this together and we'll see the brighter end of all of this. And I'm sure there's blessings in disguise through it all, especially giving mother nature a break. Is there some type of advice, um, me getting to meet you at a young age, having this signed surfboard back here, but some type of advice for the kids these days uh, who, who do want to pursue their dreams? Uh, anything that you could, you know, push the kids towards in that aspect? Um, I'd say, you know, uh, advice that's very useful in general, and it's very simple, is it takes to do stuff, you know, it takes focus and determination and you can just remind yourself that you've got to have those things but you also need to rest to mm. kind of if you do focus determination only you won't make it either but if you rest those two ideas are kind of like the whole thing not just surfing and then the other thing that uh, i learned uh recently which is kind of helpful in a way uh, to know what the five pillars of sport are. Five pillars of sport. Okay, and where are they? So what are the five pillars of sport? I'll just leave you with that and then you can find out. Or okay, I like it. Go on the internet. I don't know. Good. Every mentor gives the disciple some homework. I appreciate that. I Five. just want all the answers. I want all the answers, Tom. <laughs> Five pillars of sport. Hey, Tom, anyway, I know somebody, music. Somebody told me that not so long ago, so you can still learn stuff when you're older. I'm going to look it up tonight because I have time, and I still want to be better in my craft, right. in my life as a person. So thank you for that. You're welcome. It's very good to talk to you, Alex. You too, Tom. I appreciate it. We are happy you guys are down there safe. I hope you do get to surf again soon. And this has been more than enough of your time. So thank you for entertaining us and giving us some story time while we're all locked up. All right. Thanks, Alex. Have a good night. See you, Tommy.